0: Hey guys, this is Jonathan Watkins, one of the co-hosts of this episode of The Sincast, and I wanted to let you know before we get started that we do venture into some spoiler territory for the movie we are discussing, which is Lucky, starring and written by the immensely talented Bria Grant. So go watch the movie, which is available to rent or own, and is also streaming on Shudder, and then please come back and listen to our interview with Bria, because Lucky is both a pretty great film and a film that allows for fascinating conversations about it afterwards. Thank you, and I hope you enjoy this interview
1: because when the movie was pitched to Natasha, they were like, Bria is attached to Star, and I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> um, no, one, no one asked me. Um-
2: Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. Sins. everybody welcome to the SinCast. this is chris atkinson from cinema joined by jonathan watkins hello hello today we have a very special guest it is writer actor bria grant who has a movie called lucky coming out on vod digital hd and dvd on august 3rd bria welcome
1: hey thanks for having me i'm also a director
2: yeah yeah director and actor i do all
1: of them i do all of them
2: i would fit all the hyphenates in there i was i was just focusing (laughs) i was just focusing on this movie i'm sorry Ah, about that Yeah. Um, uh, (laughs) but uh (laughs) yes she does other things too guys Mm -hmm. um no no i i can't wait actually until i I see your nashville (laughs) um uh, so the basic premise of Lucky is that there is a man coming to uh, your to you and your husband's house to kill you, and apparently this is something that happens all the time. But this movie is uh, w- about way more than that. I've never started an interview thinking maybe I shouldn't ask any questions. Maybe I should just have you just say all the stuff that's about the movie and we'll just sit here and shut up and listen to you talk.
1: Uh, that would be a weird interview.
2: It would be. It would be. But I sit here and I'm going, well, yeah, this is obviously blah, blah, blah. And you're like, you're such a man. And then I'd be like, all right, all right. Okay, we'll just uh, just walk away.
1: No, I think, I mean, that was kind of the whole point of the movie is that I think I wanted it to spark and natasha feels the same way we wanted to spark conversations and we wanted people to take away from it what they took away i think i think i think a lot of people will be really conflicted about the movie and um i'm not i'm not scared i'm not scared of that i think it makes it cool (laughs)
2: right
0: right it's very cool
2: yeah i uh i don't know how much you want to get into it because obviously people will want to Uh, have those discoveries for themselves but I really really want to have a spoiler conversation with you Um, and I don't think I don't know if we can how much we can touch around it but uh, I feel like you I think we can sort of discuss what this is about right which is um, I feel like we can we can can we say that the killer is a metaphor for something
1: sure i mean look it's your podcast you tell me what i can spoil <laughs> i i actually listen if you're if you haven't seen the movie go watch the movie and then come come yeah. back i don't know well, yeah. like, Right, maybe, right. <laughs> so i mean i would rather talk openly about it i mean yeah of course i mean the movie is is obviously about like the broader problems of violence against women and how it is normalized i mean that's one of the big things we were trying to talk about um and i don't think that that is i think you can get that from watching the trailer
2: um okay i i jonathan i think we might have to put a spoiler tag sure on this we can do that let's do let's get I into want, this i really want to get into this because i feel like the meat of this movie is all the different you you don't you don't stop with just one kind particular uh, kinds of violence i think all of them are here um and uh you have the the scary the scary one is you and your husband i believe (laughs) um that's the scary one to me because from the audience audience's perspective this guy just seems kind of out of it and he doesn't seem like he's really uh he's he's kind of harmless but then i think throughout if you're sort of paying attention to this movie you realize this guy isn't harmless at all.
1: I mean, I think he is part of the system. I mean, so, I mean, the whole thing is that she's in this world where it's completely normal to be attacked every night in your house. Someone to come, someone is coming to find you. Uh, the character's name is May. So someone's coming to get May. And she's they're coming to try to kill her every night. And her husband's like, yeah, that's the guy who's going to try to kill you every night and that happens in like the first you know 15 minutes of the movie Mm -hmm. um and uh i mean the it's just that every person in this world is like yeah that's just the way it is that's the way it is for you That's the way it is for women you're just someone's trying to kill you every night so i mean i don't know if he's a problem just because he's bought into the world, or if he, uh, if if there's something bigger, it's funny in script. I, I wrote the script, and in script form, a lot more people were like, "Oh, was it him the whole time?" It, and uh, th- how much was he, you know, a part of it? But in movie form, it didn't feel. It's funny the way things translate. Um, it didn't feel. It felt like he was more just buying into the whole system for me. Yeah,
2: yeah. I, it's it, I, it's it's mainly just because of the sort of the 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 weird progression that's if you're it, I, I you've written an unreliable narrator in some way but i may be saying something offensive in a way by saying that
1: i'd argue it's an unreliable world i yeah. think that it's that she look it's her pov right so i think we in some ways of oh, yes it is unreliable because we can't decide if that's if what's re- really happening is happening. But I wanted it to be pretty clear from the beginning, like, this is happening. She's just kind of Alice down the rabbit hole. She's just right. in a world that no longer makes sense for her and what her, what we think, what she thinks the world should look like, but everyone else is like, no, it is very normal to have a slasher dedicated to you to come and kill you every single night. Yeah. That is a normal <laughs> world. You've just, you you're the one who's wrong. Which I think is hundred percent how it feels sometimes you know that i'm like wow this shouldn't be this way and people are like but it is
0: right Shrug. well and the cops and then you know you end up in front of i guess um uh is i guess a th- uh not a therapist it's a um a social uh, worker the, the tara perry yeah tara Perry's is awesome yeah. in that role by the way.
1: she's so good i know right <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then also chase williamson popping up there towards the end as the so you good. know the paramedic but you I mean these people are questioning you more about you know your husband and you keep telling them no. Like there's somebody breaking into my house trying mm-hmm. to kill me, yeah. and but they keep wanting to know if there's any domestic issues with you and your husband, and it's just it's insane, and it's um I I can't even imagine you know, uh, and I I I mean that's obviously the point right that it's supposed to just be like maddening. Yeah.
1: We're supposed to be seeing it from May's perspective mm-hmm. And it's uh, very frustrating Because she's like my world isn't perfect But that doesn't mean I should be attacked Every mm-hmm. night in my home <laughs> And feel unsafe and have to fight for my life Like that doesn't Maybe my husband and I don't get along all the time She's a real person, she's a human person Yeah, yeah uh, But that doesn't mean that she deserves You know uh, Relentless uh, <laughs> Relentless <laughs> attacks on her life
2: well, and, uh, No one it... does and it, uh, it's, it's sort of, uh, you know, it's, it, there's always, I love this scene uh, that's in here where I think before we even know that there's been an incident in a parking garage that, you know, that's sort of a revelation towards the end, but uh, she's just walking uh, through a, a regular, like lobby thoroughfare type place or whatever, and just hears some keys and gets rattled because of it. Um, because it's a sort of a, a memory, uh, that's associated with some sort of trauma that has happened.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's very much supposed to feel, uh, I mean, it's, it's PTSD.
2: Mm-hmm. It's, it's yeah. the
1: way it feels when you, um, have been through something and then something triggers that and reminds you of that. And then you, uh, <laughs> you yeah. all of your senses go off. Everything feels weird. Uh, yeah. and you're trying to like be present in the world. But I mean, the world isn't yours anymore at that moment. And it's really not hers for the whole movie. Really?
2: Yeah. I, I, I had, I had a couple of different interpretations of the, of the, uh, the uh, married relationship because, at first, you're just like. At first, one I, I actually have watched this movie twice. Mm. Um, the first time I watched it, I was like, nobody's listening to her. Like uh, she says, it's not about her husband, but then she's got social workers coming, and she's got all this stuff. That, you know, the like P- this is just a sign of people just not listening to her and not believing her when she says things. But then the next time I watched it, I was like, I could see how you could think that maybe her husband is abusive and she sort of Mm -hmm. created a cocoon around her and she is sort of, uh, you know, she, all of this, all of these things that she's talking about uh, do show that there's been some abuse and she's rationalizing it in some way. Um, Especially towards the end when he shows up in the backseat of your car and everything. So, uh, and then, and and if you take it that way and you start listening to what he says during those scenes, you're just like, oh my God, this guy's a monster, but maybe that's not how you intended it. And I think that's fascinating.
1: I mean, I think that's an interesting interpretation. I, I, I no, I mean, he, he's not listening either. So yeah. I think that he's just, I mean, and at first it is a little normal, but then as the movie progresses, as movies do, it becomes more and more abnormal and he, he's a part of the system. So he he's not listening either. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's a bit of gaslighting. It's a bit of, uh, uh, yeah, not being listened to, no mm-hmm. one believing you that this is weird. Um, mm-hmm. And it and it even comes back to her, her primary relationship with, with the husband. It's funny, the husband, in many early drafts of the script, he actually never came back uh, when I was writing it. And mm-hmm. um, I found that... <laughs> And I'm not trying to call you out here. Uh, but I did find that uh, women would read it and be like, oh, cool. And then the men would go, but where'd the husband go? And I was like, oh, oh. it's not about the husband. I don't I don't care where he went. And I realized <laughs> at some point we had to account for him. We had to say, like, where is Ted? <laughs> we have to figure yeah. out where the fuck he's been this whole movie. <laughs> right. um, because I, I mean... So I mean the inspiration for this was from my personal life and um I found that it was one thing I I experienced a traumatic event and um mm-hmm. uh, the person I was dating at the time couldn't really understand it and it was something that kind of it kind of broke us apart in some ways because he was never able to understand it which mm-hmm. makes sense he, it wasn't his it didn't happen to him um uh, but it also uh it, it it meant that he his empathy with for me or his sympathy for me could only go so far because he just didn't, ha- he wasn't able to be empathetic. So I think in some ways I was writing through my own, uh, right, writing through, finding a little bit of catharsis and working through why that relationship sort of fell apart because I felt like that person never got it and never even attempted to get it and became a part of this world that wasn't really understanding me or listening to me
2: yeah that's uh i was going to ask if the if there was any sort of your personal experience in this movie but you're you're also saying you know you're not saying it's just it stops with you it's uh it's it's all of the women that are in this movie are dealing with uh things like that i mean it it, even like the sister it has has some sort of past trauma that she's uh dealing with that you know just and your assistant and everybody in this and it's uh it's it you know at first it at first this movie has such an unusual way about it the husband is like oh that's the guy who comes and kills us uh tries to come and kill us every night and whatever and it's so blase and everything you think you might be in a comedy of some sorts by the end of it it's definitely not a comedy whatsoever and um uh you know I can't, that's the reason why I'm sitting there. I'm I'm watching this with a man's eyes and I see these type of things and I'm like, holy shit, what kind of world are we in? And this is exactly, this is just a nightmare to watch. No doubt about it.
1: (laughs) Uh, Well, it should be. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) good, I guess. I mean, but I do think, I mean, I do look, Natasha hired a lot of comedic actors, I have a sense mm-hmm. of dark humor to me and I do think there are parts that we want people to kind of laugh through or be uncomfortable and laugh through. Especially at the top. But I think the whole way through, I mean, really, like May is the straight man going through this kind of absurdist world. And so it's okay to kind of laugh at the absurdity of the situation.
2: Well, and, and Jonathan alluded to it. The The paramedic stuff is is hilarious to me um just the way that guy is acting all the way through it uh you know it's it's uh it, it, uh, it that scene is very well done i love like all the you know you know how There's so many things going on at once. Somebody wants to take blood pressure. Somebody wants to take blood. Somebody wants to ask questions about the incident. They're all there. Everybody's there just asking questions.
1: The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly, but then taking things lightly has never been what Hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it; it's that easy.
2: It's time to rethink recycling with Renew.
0: Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at HeftyRenew.com.
2: Um, I um, I wanted to know, see, so you, so since you wrote and and star in this movie, uh, how is it that how, how do you work with uh, you know the director and the director is Natasha Kamani? uh the how do you how do you work with that you know the material better than anybody else so what is she able to uh bring to you uh when you are uh doing a scene or whatever if you're doing a scene a certain way and she you know maybe disagrees with how you're doing it or whatever
1: um I mean look I I mean I really believe in the filmmaking system as Mm -hmm. as is I think a film needs a really strong captain of a sh- of the ship. I need it needs someone to steer things, and I think there should be one person, or you know, sometimes you have a director team or something. Uh, but a person that that says like yes or no and has sort of final say because they have a vision, and you need them to have that specific vision for the movie to feel coherent, for it to make sense. And so, for me, I, I wrote the movie. We got it green. I I, I took it to Epic um, Pictures. Um, and, uh, they wanted to attach Natasha and I was like, cool. So then Mm -hmm. she and I worked together. There were a couple of changes we had to make just for budgetary reasons. And then, um, after that point, I just stepped back and I mean, she's very great at being true to the text on the page. Um, and, and, and being, uh, very respectful of like of what I was writing and what I was trying to get at um and understood the humor and she kind of just got it i mean i can't i can't say we had any moments where i was like ooh i think you're wrong you know like or she thought mm-hmm. i was wrong i feel like we were kind of just on the same page for what the movie was Mm-hmm. from you know we had a lot of conversations about it but from the very beginning she called me I think she wasn't even finished with the script when she called me and she was like I get this movie I know what it is I want to make it um <laughs> like and I was like oh cool great uh because I had, had a lot of conversations with other directors other actors uh when I was attached to direct for a while I mean like so I, I had gone through a lot of conversations about this movie because it is weird and on the page it's weird and it and it's it's like you needed someone who was like I need someone who was like, I'm going to embrace the fact that it's a surreal slasher movie, like that you're taking a slasher and trying to do something really different. Um, And she just got it from the beginning. So I can't say we had any moments where we really disagreed. And if she, if she saw something a certain way, I kind of just was like, great, do do that. Like, I, like, I mean, I, I, I believe in her vision and I wanted her to Get make the movie she wanted to make because at the end of the day she's really the one who has to defend it
2: <laughs> yeah i feel like you uh, have hit a moment of zen that many writers maybe haven't uh like i feel like most writers seeing their work being put to the screen probably feel like, well, I wouldn't have done that, or I wouldn't have sure. done it this way, or whatever. And that way, was there an experience early on that that led you to sort of have that trust and everything, or was it, or have you always been that way?
1: I think it's because I direct, I direct okay. too, so I think I respect the role of director. And mm-hmm. I know, you know, a lot of times we, you're directing and people come in and they're like, I have this opinion. And you're like, yeah, but I've thought about this for a long time. And what you're saying doesn't – I have have a, I have a plan here. Like I have a plan. And like you you may not know the minutia of the plan. You may not know the details. So you're going to come in with like this random ass idea on this random day. Like this doesn't work. It doesn't work for whatever reason. So I, I think – it comes from me just trying to respect the fact that I think she's a brilliant director. I think she knows what the hell she's doing and I'm going to stand by her. And I really think the moment I, you know, if you don't stand by your director and you start to cause chaos and thing things don't work out well in the shooting, you're not going to end up with a good yeah. movie. You know, right. I think it's important. Like once I've decided like she's going to be the leader, I have to actually trust in her as a leader.
0: She's 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 outstanding. I um I saw Imitation Girl yeah. uh, around when it came out, I, I just found that film absolutely fascinating. And this was, I mean, this was this was a great follow up. And then, um, you are, but the the thing about Uh, you were talking about you were going to direct it. Would you have still, were you still going to be, cause you're in every scene, right? Like I don't.
1: I am in every scene. I wasn't ever planning on being in it.
0: Oh, gotcha. Uh,
1: That came about because when the movie was pitched to Natasha, they were like, Bria is attached to star. And I'm like, no, I'm not. Uh, (laughs) No one, no one asked me. Um, And I really thought it wasn't a good character for me. It's funny. Y'all keep saying like you, and I'm like, this woman is as far from me as I could ever imagine. Like she's so not who I am. Um, I, I didn't even know how I could play her. Cause I was like, I'm just not this person. Um, mm-hmm. And, but Natasha really saw me as her. And like, you know, we redid my hair. We redid a lot of stuff. We, we bought like the clothes that I'm in, like everything was very um, specifically designed and kind of took me out of the person that I normally am, like my actual Bria, uh, like yeah, who yeah, I yeah. am, um, and she did a good job of kind of bringing me out of that through like my look. Um, but yeah, no, I never would have. I I really writing and uh, directing and starring is a is a it's tough. I did it in my first movie, and I'm not really interested in doing it anymore
0: <laughs> speaking of your directing by the way i did i watched actually i watched 12 hour shift this morning oh, um what and a nice uh,
1: morning yeah yeah, yeah. It's, okay. it's okay
0: have some coffee on a saturday morning oh watch 12 hour I... shift
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's funny <laughs> I, uh,
0: but I, um, I, I'd I, been meaning to watch it for a long time. Like a lot of us, we have huge, you know, to be watched piles. And, um, but, uh, since, since we were going to be talking to you, I definitely wanted to check it out. I, it was fantastic. I mean, oh, fantastic. You. I mean, the, thank you. <laughs> and Angela, I can't, is, I, uh, if we can't talk, I'm just curious, working with Angela Bettis, um, who I love, um, what, what would just, I don't know, just what, what, I, I guess just working with her, what was that like or what? It's,
1: awesome. it's a dream. I mean, she's great. She's, uh, I've been a fan of hers for a long time and we, um, she, she comes to play, you know, like she, she brings it. And uh, because she was there, I think it stepped up the entire rest of the cast. Everyone was like looking at her and she's really good. She's, she's not screwing around like she's she's great and uh, i i i loved working with her and i was so happy she agreed to do that movie because it's a very small movie and like um she came out to arkansas for a month and and shot it with us and we, yeah yeah would love would love to get to work with her again
0: but that i mean i i'm sure it was i mean obviously it was a small movie but it doesn't look like a small movie which is just Awesome. I mean, it feels like something you know, like a. I mean, I don't. I don't want to compare it to other people, but just like you know, it. It in that vein of like Cohen Brothers or something like that, and and then I, just. I'm sorry. I appreciate that. <laughs> sorry, I'm just
1: laughing at that. Uh, let me just tell you, this is how you how you know it's a small movie. Um, I the guy who's like in the bed in a coma the whole time. Yeah. That was our sound guy. That's how small <laughs> it was. Is that we didn't have anyone to play that role, and the crew. Whatever you think the crew is, divide it by, you could count the crew on two hands. Like, oh, it's a wow. very small movie. You're, like, you don't, like, very, very small. Um, uh, But thank you. I I wanted it to be a Coen Brothers-style movie, so I appreciate it. And,
0: uh, and Chloe Farnworth, I'm going to be uh, watching some more of her. She's amazing. She's a movie. genius.
1: I know.
2: She's so funny.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to get us off track, but I didn't want to mention that movie because I just, I loved it so much.
2: Thank you. Um, um, yeah. In, uh, so in, in Lucky, what was your favorite scene to write? To write. hmm Um, that's a really
1: good question. So a scene that um uh wasn't in the movie till later was this parking garage scene. Uh it I I had written a couple drafts of it and I had a friend reading it, and um he was like, you know, you're just like missing something. Something's not here. And I was like, I know, I just don't know what it is. And I started trying to think, I was like, okay this is a story about violence against women it's about uh, the systematic violence against women like the way we just are like oh this is normalized like why what what is what is the story there and i started thinking about like oh women are scared of parking garages it's like something you're told from a very young age like don't if you're alone in a parking garage like have your keys in your hand in a certain way or have your mace out or or whatever it is because that's where like someone might you know, grab you or, or whatever, or some, or you might get attacked or someone might get in your car with you. Um, And so it was finding that scene and finding a way to um, uh, make, make a broader statement and make the movie feel a little bit bigger because it is a really small movie. Like you said, I mean, I, I'm in every scene that a lot of days it was me and uh, uh the guy playing the man, lovely Hunter, um, or, yeah. or me and like one other actor. Like it was like, it's a very small movie and like, most of the actors were in for like a day. Um, And that was a much bigger day. We got to have like stunt people and like uh, just thinking about that as like a way to expand the movie because that's always what you're trying to do with these low budget movies, right? You're trying to find a way to make the world feel a little bit bigger. And you're like, it's not just this one story. It's it's the world. And um, uh, so finding that scene, like what I felt like, it was when the movie started making sense where i was like okay now i got the movie now it's not just a woman running for her life the whole movie it's like oh we have something a little bit bigger to say here
2: yeah that's the that's the one scene in the movie that just seems like all the stops were pulled you had uh uh you know the way the lights are there's that that running through the hallway with the red lights flashing and you know they're all the different women who are getting attacked and uh, and everything—it's the starkest uh, part of the of the movie. It's the one that uh, you know, sort of puts its stamp on that. It's uh, it's interesting that was that wasn't even in the script at first, right?
1: Right, right. Yeah, and it's it's. I mean, as a writer, you're always trying to find like you're like, what is the set piece? What is the big pivotal scene that people will be talking about, or like, will get a director interested, or will like get a financing company to be like, <laughs> yes, we'll give you some money. Um, and for me, that was. That was the scene that felt like, okay, like if they can like get on board for the premise, which is like, you know, him saying like, this is the guy who attacks you every night. If they're on board for that and they make it through this parking garage scene, then like they'll realize this movie is a little bit something is is special for a movie of this size
2: and and here's here's a really original question to follow that up with what was your favorite scene to act in
1: well i doing that scene with tara was fun because tara and i uh tara perry plays this social worker in the movie Mm -hmm. and um she had just uh been one of the stars of 12 hour shift which we Mm -hmm. shot three weeks before that. So like, I just worked with her as a director and then I got to work with her as an actor. So that was cool. And then Nakia Gamby Turner is also in 12 hour shift and she's in the scene with Chase Williamson and, Mm -hmm. um, uh, Jesse Merlin and a bunch of other cool people are in this scene where everyone's like shouting at me. And, uh, uh, they start, one of them breaks in they bring in the song at one point and stuff. And that was really fun, especially since as an actor, like I'm by myself for a lot of the movie, just like walking around the house, like fighting, like, i mean i'm it, just doing like not it's a lot of physical acting but it's not as much of like getting to interact off of with other actors and so that was like a
2: really fun
1: scene to get to play
2: with. i uh one, one of one of my scenes that I, I don't know what it is about it but uh you stab the man in the neck and the blood starts spurting oh, all over yeah.
1: you.
2: Oh <laughs> yeah. What was that like? Is that is that something where you're like, ah, uh, okay, I can't. I'm not. I'm not. I know I'm going to hate life after this. Yeah. Or is this awesome?
1: no it's not like you know when you go to like a water park and you're going down like with a log ride i actually don't do the log <laughs> ride anymore because i get so mad because at the end you're like that was fun why the fuck did i do that yeah. uh that's that's the feeling is that you're like why am i now because then you know everyone has to rush over to you because we're shooting this like very nice house in altadena and you're like don't touch the floor don't touch the carpet uh mm. like you know because yeah. you're covered in blood but <laughs> okay. no natasha and uh my producer was there that day and um they they all thought it was very funny and recorded videos and laughed at me <laughs> so i got covered Surely in blood because it was it is a it is a full fountain of blood falling onto
2: my face yeah this is a if it, i feel like uh, as a director where you're just like i get to torture my cast today <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, you know what
1: it's not though i think like the fun thing about making horror is that like we're all kind of there for those reasons a little bit mm-hmm. like we yeah. we enjoy the like special effects of it all and like we enjoy those fun moments and it's what kind of separates making a horror movie from making just like a drama or a comedy is that you know you're going to have these cool moments where everyone kind of gathers around and we get to watch this fun thing and then i i'll watch it in playback obviously but um (laughs) but it's fun and you get to like really it's it is it is a lot of playing and even though it's scary and uh you're just hoping you're not going to screw it up the whole time because you have so few takes on these size movies um Mm
2: -hmm. i think
1: we did that in we just did it in one take. That was the thing. Oh, movie. nice. That was it. That's all we wow. had.
2: <laughs> they
0: just called you one take, Bria, after one that. One take. And...
1: Well, it's just like, the thing up after that was impossible. So I was like, <laughs> this is it. That's all you got.
0: <laughs> um, one of my, um, one of my also favorite scenes was, uh, and, uh, when, uh, May, um, uh, um, God, I can't think of anything right now. Agent shows up, is, and is it is it Leith? Is that the actor? Oh
1: yeah, yeah, Leith. Yeah,
0: Leith, Leith. Sorry, I didn't know how to pronounce it. But uh, when he shows up at your door, and you're like in the middle of dealing with all this stuff, and he's you know basically like you know uh, they're they're going to do your new book, and uh, and then there's that moment where he says you're lucky because of the industry or whatever, and it, you're really you really you're really good in that moment, and I really appreciated that because that is one of those things that I think. Cause this movie is as much about probably about the entertainment industry too. Right. I mean, uh just how hard it is. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, I could, I could
2: hear, I could hear a knowing laugh behind that question. So that's why I'm
0: laughing. <laughs> but I'm just saying like, I mean, how hard it is to get in any, any job in this industry, you know, writing, directing, acting. I mean, even writing for YouTube like we do, but, um, and, but then you always hear that, right. You always hear people say, wow, you must feel really lucky. And it's like, I mean, maybe there's some luck involved, but I worked my ass off to get here, you know, and and I just I appreciated that moment because uh, I know you have to feel that a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, it's that's my mom's favorite part of it, too. The movie uh, <laughs> she was like, oh, that was you in that moment. Um, <laughs> you actually brought yourself. Um, yeah, I mean, no, obviously look, the entertainment industry has a yes to answer your question yes it it has that wasn't me taking out some frustration with the entertainment industry for sure um but i think look i will be the first to admit especially with acting i think uh, there is a lot of luck involved there's it is it's unfortunately like 99% luck it's being mm-hmm. the right look the right physicality the right body type the right race for the right role um um and i think even with uh writing and directing there's a lot i mean there is a lot of luck to it there's a lot of of that but I do think that you the luck if you haven't put in the hard work you're probably not going to have the luck. Mm-hmm, exactly. um uh so it's and I it's funny I was doing another interview for this and someone was like what do, what do you say to people when they are like oh you don't you don't deserve to be directing these movies or something like that and I was like who says that about me I was like "I, I was like, I, <laughs> first of all who's saying that because I'm mad uh second of all um <laughs> uh I I think um you know, I do, I mean, I have, I treat this like a job. I've treated it like a job for 15 years. I get up every day. I get up at an early hour. I write before everyone else gets up in the morning. Like mm-hmm. I, before my, any, my manager can call me. I have to say before he gets up, that's not true. He gets up very early, but before he'll call <laughs> me. so like before 8am I have my writing done. I'm overly prepped for everything I do. Like I, I just don't, it, it, there is a lot of luck involved, but I will say like when opportunity comes I try to be really ready and I I also called my friends who've done who've written a lot of books when I was writing that little speech because um, I was like what 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 happens when you're on book tour like what's the annoying things that happen they're like you just have to answer the same questions all the time and and it's just really irritating you you have to be like enthusiastic and I was like oh yeah I get that yeah so I added that one in there too because I was like yeah that's a it's a frustrating thing to have to do just to be able to make and, you know, sell your, your art.
0: Yeah. Hope, hope you sold an extra couple copies that day. And right. I, yeah, right. Cause yeah. you said
1: something with like a more of a smile on your face.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And like, I, and I think it's one of those things, I mean, when you hear that, like, I mean, cause and also, you know, you hear the it's who, you know, and stuff like that. And I mean, I know, I know people don't mean that, you know, I think they think they're complimenting you in some way and it always just feels a little backhanded, yeah. you know, <laughs> when you hear that. So I just, that scene was great and you were awesome in it. So it was just, that was one of my favorite scenes Thanks, and I, that
1: actor is amazing i just want to shout him out he's yeah. uh emmy nominated actor uh who i worked with i directed and uh for him i directed him on a show called east siders before we yes. did the movie oh, and yeah. i called him and i was like will you please come and do this <laughs> you're i need you <laughs> for like two days on the and he was totally down and he's uh yeah he's super funny super talented um yeah great guy. yeah he's
0: on Bosch. i i, I oh, remember oh, cool. yeah yeah,
2: yeah the, you know uh you know that scene also brings up the fact that there's so many i like i like when there's just these these little throwaway lines that you might hear over the end of a phone conversation or whatever you sprinkle them throughout here but uh they're stubborn we're crazy was one that uh stood out to me it was uh um it's not it, it no one's gonna the killer's not gonna come now it's daytime like like the part of the day matters (laughs) um everybody kept saying that (laughs) yeah exactly um uh i feel like you've probably you know have you heard these uh like over and over and over in your life basically is i mean did you even (laughs) some that you didn't even get to put in there were so many probably
1: yeah, for sure. And thank you for noticing that. Yes, this was something I, in the script, I wanted to have as many cliches as possible because mm-hmm, I think they're so mm-hmm. stupid. Like, it's so stupid. Yeah. Like, the cliches and the things people say and they say them without thinking about how they've just... It, and it's supposed to go along with this theme of just, like, we've normalized things. We've normalized saying certain things where we're like, oh, you're so lucky. Like, that, that, we've normalized yeah. saying that. And it's like, that's really not true. And just because you say it a bunch of times doesn't make mm-hmm. it true <laughs>
2: right? right. Um, and,
1: and just because you say oh women women you know women are crazy or whatever like that doesn't make it true that I think we're things have put on us that the world is crazy uh we're not crazy uh um, and uh, yeah thank you that that was definitely something I was trying to put into the script to make to kind of just to hang a lantern on the the fact that we're in a world in which we just don't even think about what's going on anymore we don't think about what's being said And we don't think about the fact that this woman is fighting for her life, and it should be abnormal, but it's
2: not. You know, you could run. I feel like you could run this movie as a double feature with The Invisible Man. Ooh, uh, thank you. Uh, (laughs) You know, because both have a lot to say about this topic, and uh, and you know, Invisible Man is obviously a big, huge studio movie with Elizabeth Moss. You know, and but it's it's you know it's it's got the same kind of. uh, I think it. I think that has the same kind of weight to it. Because uh, this is, I mean, this is kind of stuff that people need to know because there, there's a lot, it's easy to watch a movie like this and be like, I am now informed of what's going on. <laughs> and then you go out into the world and people s- still are spouting out that same stuff. And you're like, uh, I disagree. I have to well, disagree with you.
0: Yeah. And it's kind of one of those things too, where, I mean, I think we sit there and say, you know, we really like a movie. I don't know how often I say I appreciate a movie and I, absolutely appreciated this movie uh it just you know it's just a perspective that i'm you know i'm an old i'm an old dude i so
1: how old are you
0: oh i'm 45
1: he's not very old don't (laughs) say that Um, uh, thank you thank you for saying that i appreciate the invisible man because i like that the i like having these like older adult final girls I think that that's something Natasha and I talked a lot about where these final girls are, they're not girls. They're, they're women, they're adults and they are complicated and they have histories and they make poor choices sometimes. And they are also ingrained in, there's things in them that like, I don't agree with that. I'm like, why did she not help everyone? You know? But I think that's who she was as a person. And uh, uh, I, uh, in lucky not an invisible man, but, um, uh, but I think there's, yeah, I like having these women of us like over these women over 30. Yeah. Which, you know, we don't get to see in horror movies that often. And I love horror movies, but I'm getting older and I want to see myself. <laughs> Ew, me too. <laughs> I mean, not yeah. literally, but like I want to see versions of like, you know, older women in these roles doing like cool shit and surviving.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree with you. I because I, I mean, I I grew up in the '80s. I mean, I love I love '80s slashers and stuff. But I do love this new. Like, I feel like we're getting more of this. You know, Grady Hendrix just released the book uh, Final Girl Support Group. And yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Great. Which yeah, it's it's amazing. Um, and I I just I love this new like. Which I guess we had the Final Girls was a movie that came out a few years ago, and maybe that kind of started. I don't know, but I just love this whole new thing where it's like it's like the post Final Girl movies, where like what happens to them afterwards, you know. Mm -hmm. um there's just and and this definitely falls kind of in that in that territory so no i'm with you
1: yeah and it's i mean it's a great thing about horror right i mean we just Mm -hmm. i think as horror fans we're also aware of the tropes that we're like we can take them and we can start playing with them without Mm -hmm. even having to reintroduce them to an audience that's why you can write the final girl support group and i i I, people who haven't read it you need to pick it up if you like horror because every chapter is like it's every amazing. character in it he never he never explains like oh this is like laurie short or whatever he never explains like who they are but he's yeah. like he hints enough to where you're like oh i get it this this is uh oh this was uh texas chainsaw this you know he you and get how
0: it. he titles how he titles the chapters, chapters yeah totally yeah <laughs> um
2: oh yeah was, where, where was where was the shot uh did you find a house to rent out and uh and and where was where was sort of the location
1: yeah we did um uh altadena which is right it's in los angeles outside of los angeles um and yeah we found that house and we rented it and uh we had a really great production designer um named lb and uh it uh the inside of the house changed a lot but it but it had that beautiful architecture um Mm -hmm. uh in it that looked amazing but yeah we shot in la which was how we got these great one day guest stars because otherwise we wouldn't have been guest stars i guess that's tv talk but uh but one day roles where you get someone like chase or tara or somebody coming in for a day S-
0: someone that lives down the street can basically just- <laughs> you're like can you please
1: come in for a day it won't be very long and they're like okay uh, like that's how you do it because if you we were shooting somewhere else um it's much harder to get those people in for a day i mean they're just not going to do it they don't
0: have the time yeah chase was one of those where i was like god i know i know him and then i looked him up i was like oh he's in john dies at the end <laughs> like he's and the john main guy the- yeah guys <laughs> have you know,
1: done i think three or four movies together yeah oh, I saw really? that. Yeah. yeah yeah he's
2: great <laughs> um you know, the thing that sort of stuck out to me in this was the uh the music uh jeremy zuckerman uh was uh, behind the music on this um i guess um it, there's like this i don't know what it is sort of a keyboard dissonant keyboard type of soundtrack to this thing that's its really cool i think uh, yeah
1: throughout. yeah that's all natasha i have to just give credit to her it's it's that it's vocalization there's some vocalization in there mm-hmm. and there's um uh definitely some strings and stuff in there too um and yeah they did a amazing job like i he was recommended by a producer because of his work on scream the tv series mm-hmm. yep mm-hmm. yep but then Natasha listened to his work and was like, uh, I like the weirder stuff he does. <laughs> and so <laughs> he was willing to come do this small movie because she was like, go, go really weird with it. And I think it really worked.
2: Um, I think I have one more uh, before we... Uh, Jonathan, do you have anything else after this question? Because uh, I think we're running up against it. Well, go,
0: go, yeah, just go ahead and ask your your question. Yeah, we're getting, we're getting there. So we're good.
2: Um, I- we alluded to the, the book signing scene and, and the, in this and everything. And, and, and maybe this is just an innocuous scene for you as an actor. I don't know. I, it seems like it, 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 to me, I always see a scene like this where you're not the cool person. You're, you're, you're being the one that's like, you know, having to answer people in this, you know, like, well, I don't have anything going. I don't have anything. What, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not, I'm not here. I'm not going to be your hero today. Uh, uh, basically, but is are those scenes tough to do? A lot of times,
1: I remember there was a lot of words that day that I had to memorize. But um, <laughs> um, no, I mean, I think it's it's about showing vulnerability, right? I mean, like mm-hmm. f- in those scenes, I, I, I mean, I, I just think of times where I mean, this you do this all the time, right? As especially as an actor, when I was mostly just acting. It was, uh, you know, people are like, "Oh, what's next for you?" And I'm like, "I don't know," you know. Like, I mean, that's mm-hmm, a real mm-hmm. thing is that you're kind of like Wh- whatever people call me for will be mm-hmm. what's next for me. You know, you're right. just, you are kind of trying to figure it out because we all we don't always have things, especially as creatives, that we're like ready to like, you know, p- like pimp out. It's weird. I mean, I think we're yeah. so we're so required to like have that. Well, what's your next thing? And then what's what are you doing after that? And like, uh. I don't know. It's not it's not that it's not it's not that you're not the cool person. I think it's that you're the like um I don't know. It, it's like a vulnerability, I guess, that you're that that happens in that moment and like it's showing that vulnerability that I mean, I've been there. I've totally been there. I distinctly remember I shot um Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 and then mm-hmm. that movie came out like really fast. Like we shot it in the spring and it came out in Halloween uh, like around Halloween um and um I was at an interview and uh we were they were like oh what is everyone doing next and like everyone there like had like some huge movie (laughs) and I was like uh I'm I'm promoting Halloween too I don't know I don't have anything (laughs) I, I had started writing graphic novels and I was like "Ooh, do I even talk about that that's like not something people are interested in me doing and it doesn't have anything to do with acting and like is that worth even bringing up which you know ended up being like one of the great joys of my life is writing graphic novels. But at the time I was like, I don't even know what to say. So I think it's like, you know, you pull from your whole life and that was, I've definitely had moments where I didn't know what the hell I was doing next.
0: Yeah. I, I saw that you wrote graphic novels. I, I was not aware of that. So I'm I'm going to be definitely ordering some of those. I'm a, I'm a comic <laughs> guy. So oh
1: please do order, order yeah. my la- latest one. I mean, it's, it's YA, but I guarantee you'll get something out of it.
0: Okay, great. Yeah.
2: No, I probably asked that question weird. I just, I've, I've had this fascination with, Uh, actors who get into these scenes you always hear about uh oh i loved playing this villain because you get to sink your teeth into these lines and all this and or i like to be this because there's all this stuff but when when you're the main character who gets forced into a scene where you're not the cool one and you don't Mm. you don't have the best things to say i always wonder If that's a a scene that you are looking forward to or if it's just like, eh, you know, I can I can do this and no problem, whatever. But I I mean, you know, it sounds like it sounds like it was like any other scene. You just prepare and you do the thing that you need to do.
1: Yeah, no, but I think you're right. I mean, I do, I do. I mean, I do kind of like it. I like playing some. I kind of like working out some of my demons and um, mm-hmm, <laughs> dealing mm-hmm. with my vulnerabilities. And um, yeah, I don't like playing people who are 100 percent cool or 100 percent like above board or uh, you know doing good right. stuff all the time. Like I like playing complicated characters. I like writing complicated characters. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm definitely uh, gonna always lean more into that. Um, in any sort of thing I'm doing.
2: All right, I guess we're gonna have to wrap
0: it up. <laughs> Man, by the way, I could I could talk to you an hour about Halloween too. I'm so curious about working with <laughs> Rob Zombie. Like,
1: well, well, you you have time for one question? <laughs>
0: awesome! awesome. If I have one question about another movie, I actually want to know about filming the karaoke scene in After Midnight.
1: Oh my god. <laughs> Oh my god, I I so I'm on this shoot right now, and these guys were like my PA's on this shoot were like, yeah, we 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 went uh uh to a bar after the shoot, trying to forget about work, and then uh, at at the bar they were playing after midnight on the TV, <laughs> and it was that karaoke scene, and oh I was like, gosh. oh my god, you had to deal with your director like staring you down, um uh during while you're trying to get a beer, my poor PA's, but I thought it was very funny, um uh yeah, that karaoke scene is it took all night it was a very long night but um honestly again i'm gonna bring up my mother my mother saw that movie and was like that's the best acting you've ever done and i was like i agree i don't know if i need to be acting anymore <laughs> it was literally like i was like i don't know i have nothing else to prove i feel like i proved it all like this is this was the character is very similar to me like i i felt like a hundred percent i brought everything i wanted to bring and i was like what what do i need what do i have to show now um but yeah it was great it was it was fun and um I love Jeremy so much, so oh, I, yeah. I could I could stare into his eyes all day. <laughs> the, uh, Jeremy,
0: Jeremy Gardner's who you're talking about, and yeah. if anybody hasn't seen After Midnight, please check it out. It is it is that karaoke scene is one of the best WTF moments ever.
1: <laughs> it is, but he plays it so sincerely. Oh, oh and it's like, great, and and it's so weird because you know as an actor it's weird cause he has to do it a bunch of times and then they have to shoot me just watching him for yeah. like a full <laughs> song length. like, which is a very <laughs> long time to not say anything and just have a camera like literally, you know, three feet from your face. Um, but it was, it was great. That was just, it was very hot shooting that movie. It was very small, a very small movie. And it was like one of the greatest movies I've ever yeah. got to be a part of.
0: I also, and I just want to mention real quick. I'm also, I listen to reading glasses quite often. Oh, cool. And, um, I just I don't know with all that you have going on, I have no idea how you do a podcast that frequently because uh, I, I, I don't have nearly your, as much as you. I was late I,
1: late to your podcast because I was recording reading glasses
0: I, <laughs> mm.
1: <laughs> we went over. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I was late. I was trying oh to- no, not a problem
0: at <laughs> all now. I-
1: I'm,
0: it, I was, it, was Mal- it was Mallory's fault right It was I mean, Mallory's yeah. fault
1: No it's mm-hmm. never Mallory's fault that's the problem She's,
2: <laughs> she's on board uh, We'd like to thank uh, Bria Grant for giving us her time The movie's Lucky Comes out on VOD Digital HD and DVD on August 3rd uh, That's going to do it for this interview It's Chris Atkinson and Jonathan Watkins We'll see you next time Thanks for listening Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page Check us out on YouTube Twitter Facebook, and Reddit, and be sure to visit CinemaSins.com.